Welcome to The Fader Interview. I'm Alex Robert Ross, Editorial Director of The Fader. RX Nephew emphatically does not give a fuck. A bona fide internet sensation, Neff's irreverence towards religion, other popular rappers, and your feelings has been his calling card as he's pumped out hundreds of songs on YouTube over the last few years. In the too often self-serious world of street rap, the Rochester, New York-raised MC has exhibited a humorous streak only matched by his trapping, scamming, and rapping counterparts in Michigan. If you're a real RX fan, though, you were drawn in by his comedy and antics, but stayed for the skill. The Slither Man, as he calls himself, is an elite shit talker, but also a storyteller and a punched-in punchline king who sprinkles philosophy and self-reflection into his street tales. He's also adept at flowing on any type of beat, no matter the style or regional affiliation. He's gone crazy over everything from ATL-style trap to up-tempo electronica. The one genre that seems anathema to Neff is what's usually classified as boom bap. In 2021, he famously roasted a dusty beat by producer Clean Dirt while rapping on it, a feat not yet accomplished in hip-hop until then as far as we know. At that point, those of us with an appetite for underground, sample-based beats thought Neff had closed the door on the whole subgenre. We were mistaken. Enter Chicago native and Brooklyn resident DJ Rude One. A stalwart of the underground scene as a solo act and one half of the duo's single-minded prose, he's produced gritty and texturally rich instrumentals for generations of subterranean MCs, from Wiki to the Griselda Boys. His last LP, Wonderful, released in 2016, is a who's who of the East Coast Underground's finest, including Rock Marciano and Mr. Motherfucking Esquire. When Rude discovered Neff's music through a mutual friend, he fell down the RX rabbit hole and came back with an idea. Why not show folks a side of the rapper they hadn't seen before? The collaboration was proposed to Neff and, as luck would have it, the one thing he does give a fuck about, besides money and family, is being considered one of the best. Just before the release of their joint project, The Wonderful Nephew, last Friday, Fader contributor Tim Aku sat down with the rapper-producer duo to discuss their unlikely creative partnership, Neff's self-taught recording style, and how he stays in peak physical form in spite of his notoriously prolific Hennessy consumption. First off, just to set the table, how did this collaboration come about? Man, he tapped down with the right folks. <laughs> Got a tummy. The beats are slapping. Good business. And we created history. <laughs> I, don't, I don't never even do shit like that. Them beats was specifically made for Neff. First boom bap. I get to, you know, do my hip hop thing. Yeah, I don't always associate you with boom bap, Neff. Like, I think... Maybe the last time I heard you rap on something kind of boom bap related, you was roasting this shit. Like it was uh, that clean dirt Blackberry touchscreen joint. So tell me about what spoke to you about the production this time around, where it's more in that kind of boom bap lane. Well, when I did that clean dirt song, it was kind of different for me. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't expecting that. But with this one, it's, it's real different. I wanted to attack the different... Different genre. You know, I love doing all kinds of different genres. Not just a hip-hop artist, a rapper. I try to do everything. But these beats was really talking to me like, 
I wish I can do them all over again, even though them shit's hard. I always be trying to outdo myself, but them them beats was telling the story, talking to a nigga. Them shit's just hard, man. And everybody, and I'm from New York, bro. I got to rap. So I got to show them I still know what I'm doing. Rude. I want your take on that. Because, cause again, unlikely combination. How did you discover his music? What stood out about the way he rhymes, you know, and how he approaches shit? And what made you say, all right, you know what? I got a pack for this guy. I want to work with him. I got introduced to him sort of in a backwards way. It was some like hipster white kids playing the little Reese joint. And they were like, yo, this dude is sick and all of this. And like, almost like Neff was a character, but I was like, yo, this dude is fucking killing, yo. And then I, I heard the little Tim shit. But again, on the same premise, like, like some dudes like, yo, this dude's sick, man. Like, almost like it was a joke style. And I'm hearing somebody like killing shit. Anyway, this is kind of funny. I was at the um, Russian Turkish baths in the East Village with my man, Meaty Ogre. Shout out to Meaty. And he's like, yo, you up on RXK Nephew? And I'm like, yo, bro, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we started talking about him and how dope he was. And he's like, yo, you know, Alex manages him. And Alex is a homie from Chicago from like way back. And I was like, no shit. And so anyway, like I follow Alex on Twitter and he was always tweeting like Neff stuff. And I'm like, yo, this dude is, this dude's an alien. And I mean that like as a, like, as a spitter. Like, I didn't look at it as like a joke style. I'm like, this dude is raw. Anyway, I made a beat one day and I'm like, I don't hear anybody else over this. And I make beats specifically for who I'm thinking of in mind. Like I'm working on an album. So everything I'm making is with a particular artist in mind. And this one I just made and was like, yo, I don't hear anybody else but Neff. I hit up Alex like that day was like, yo, can we work something out? Let me get a verse. He sent this shit back, yo, in like like record time, dude. Like I might have sent it to him at like noon and like three hours later, I had like 24, 32 bars of fucking craziness. And I was like, yo, this shit is now the hardest verse on my album. So I hit Alex back like, yo, I need another one. And he's like, yo, cool. He's with it. But what do you think about doing a whole project? So it's really kind of like Alex's brainchild. Alex was like, yo, I want to hear like Boom Bap Neff. Like he's never done that type of shit. Like we've reached out to other people to do it, but they've never taken it serious. And I was like, yo, I think I may have said, give me two weeks to come up with some stuff. Cause I wanted to send him some shit that was like what I heard of Neff. Them shit was hard as fuck too. I fuck with that synergy and, and it makes me think of the turnaround, right? So Neff, has been gracious enough to give people a glimpse into his creative process. There's a ton of videos floating around that he's put out of himself recording and all that shit so people know what it is. Neff, give me a picture of what your like normal day is because you're hands down one of the most prolific artists out. Like You literally have thousands of songs, right? You're constantly collaborating with people. How do you keep up that pace? How do you keep up that frequency? How do you keep up the creativity to be able to do that? Because it feels like you're recording 16 hours out the day or some shit. Every day is a new story. I'm rapping my story and funny shit, shit that I think is shit that's happened to me. My everyday schedule is wake up, get fresh. I record. The first thing I do when I wake up, I record. I go to the liquor store, put that shit on, go to the mall, buy shit for the family, throw tomahawks on the grill. I really just be living life, bro. I ain't even gonna lie, but when it comes to recording, I do it every day. It's not, I record in the car, I record in the hotel, I record anywhere, b and I got multiple speakers, multiple microphones, and set up in different places, different states, so I can continue to keep working. 
this is my stress ball, you are. It's crazy because I know when you came home, this is kind of when you dived into the the lifestyle of being constantly recording and putting your music out. Tell me what it was like to kind of build that muscle because on the real, not a lot of artists are that productive. Not a lot of artists are that dedicated to be constantly uh, recording the same way. How did you get into this kind of this rhythm of recording all the time? I think a lot of artists is, they don't really know how to record themselves. I felt like if I learned how to record myself, I could drop way more music. You know what I'm saying? When I took the time out to learn that, I was just spitting out. I can do it anytime, like I said. I can record anywhere in the Walmart parking lot. I can, you know what I'm saying? And then to make a couple dollars off it, to make money off of it, is a different thing. That shit really booted me up. So now I was really like nonstop. I low-key think um, kind of having that entrepreneur, that trapper mentality is something you apply to making the music. And that's part of why, you know, your name is ringing bells the way it does and why you have so much music out. You feel like that's kind of accurate, that you have that kind of hustler mentality that you approach with it to um, to bring to the music? Yeah, definitely. This whole music thing, I looked at it as a trap and uh, I was selling this music like crack. And I am nephew and I provide the drugs. Music is a legal drug that everybody needs. Go through withdrawals without music. That's why they give inmates radios before they go crazy. You know what's bugged out about you is like, you have this level of versatility that allows you to sound good on something that might be like a straight trap beat, might be some boom bap shit from Rude One. And it makes me wonder about you coming from Rochester, what your musical taste was like. What are you listening to that influenced you, that gave you the ability to basically rap on anything? Like there's like, you're one of the few cats, I'm like, oh, he could, he could body anything. Like, where did that come from in terms of influence? Fucking with every genre. And being raised by my grandma and having older people, her friends, auntie, uncle, they all listen to older music way before my time. Got used to that. And then, like, my mom a little bit younger, she listened to younger people, you know, Biggie and all that. I would give everything a chance. I would never just dub it. And I used to steal my grandma's CDs and shit and listen to that. And I felt like the people who were singing the blues, Tyrone Davis, Marvin Gaye, Johnny Taylor and all of them, they was really rapping, but they was just, you know, it was the blues, but they was just talking about what they was, you know, going through. That's where a lot came from. Then I got into the Southern music. Once I discovered Gucci Man and all of them, it became my favorite because they was just expressing how they felt and it was sounded like blues, you know, it was kind of Southern music. It was just a new kind of it. And they would definitely embrace it too. Cause I know if I had a conversation with Gucci, he'd say, Tyrone Davis and Johnny Taylor was influenced too. A lot of people latch on to the humor in your music, which I think is fucking awesome, right? That you don't give a fuck, you're irreverent. But then there is that kind of blues in that shit too, because you be talking about real shit and real emotion at the same time. Thinking about this record, right? This specific Rude One record, like, I kind of want to know, like, what do you want people to gravitate toward first from the record? Because there's so much, like, ill shit on it. You know what I'm saying? For instance, like, Tell me about Way More Than A Little or Black Ice or maybe Murder For Hire. Fuck Your Set. Fuck Your Set is, I mean, let's let's talk about the single. Let's talk about Fuck Your Set. Man, listen, I'm going to say I'm gonna say the inspiration. I was going through something, you know what I'm saying? I was just finishing up tour. I'm traveling around a lot of places. You know, I'm a neutral person. You know, I move around everywhere. And then you got, you know, different places from different everywhere. So make a long story short. I'm handling my business, doing my job. I had to get crazy. Somebody tried to scream they set out and not let me be around. So it came to like, you know, fuck your set. I told him to his face, fuck his set. 
fuck everybody you know, you know what I'm saying? And that's how I feel. But instead of really acting on it, I put it in my music, you know what I'm saying? In a positive way. Yeah, in a definitely positive way, because I'm not like a going to crash out and lose everything. You know what I'm saying? That's why I embrace it through music. You may talk about these things, but that's just emotions. I'm not going to do it. Fuck your set, nigga. Fuck your hub, boy. Broke as shit, boy. Pocket look like a keloid. I jump out, punch you out, feel like I'm P-Roy. You run around getting underpaid with three boys. Fuck your set, nigga. I'm a whole black Air Force, you a black and mild, nigga. Nigga on this bitch porch smoking a wine black. She told him take his shoes off, smoke outside, cause he can't trap. I should fire you niggas on my taxes. Fuck your set, you ain't in my bracket. Yo, Rude, I want to talk to you about the sonics of this record, the beats, and what speaks to you. You are in your own lane, you're versatile in your own right in terms of the types of production that you do. But tell me about being in the RXK nephew zone and creating production beats for him. Like, what type of sounds are you looking for? What kind of colors, what kind of timbre are you looking for when you're like, damn, Neff is going to sound good on this? Well, as you can see on the on the tape, it's kind of all over the place. Like, I know we're talking about this boom bap umbrella, but like, I played around with some 808s on there. I did some what people would call drumless, even though there's there are drums to like capture that sound. I did some traditional like over the top boom bap shit, just kind of playing with like Neff's range. Like he said, he can get down to anything. And I believed it. I don't work like he does. Like you said, he's dumb prolific. I am not. I'm very pragmatic. It takes me a long time to get to like, you know, you hear producers say, oh man, I made like 30, 40 beats this month. I might make two, three, like in six months that I'm happy with. You know what I'm saying? And like, I gave them three initially and he hit me right back with them. And I was like, oh shit, like I'm, I, I needed like another week to come up with something. And the first three he sent me back were Black Ice, um, No More Dreaming, and um, Raw Dope. They're all very different. And that kind of gave me a freedom to just like run with it and like not overanalyze everything. Like, yo, fuck that. This is dope. Like, this dude is ill. It's going to fucking bang, man. But every one of those beats was tailored to him. There was there were two other beats he actually recorded to that I ended up scrapping and remixing. I told Alex, his manager up front, like, yo, I don't like these beats enough. Like, I, I got to come harder. And I resent them to him like, yo, we good. And one of them is the song um, 133 times, which is probably like the hardest shit on there. That said, I have to say, though, my favorite joint we did is still the original, the very, very first one before this project that'll be on my next album. Like, bro, it's just like, Two verses are just absolute murder, like minimal hook. They're like not even a real hook. He just says like one line and then we jump right back into it. And it's just like end to end, just fucking burner, man. I'm super, super happy to be a part of this. Like I understand like my name's on the record and everything like that, but I'm fucking honored to be here. Like this dude's too fucking ill. And I'm just like, I'm dumb excited about the whole thing, bro. I'm so happy, man. I think what stands out about Neff's approach is that style is effortless to him. Like he has a lot of style. You have a lot of style, right? It took a minute to gain that confidence. It's funny because when I hear you on record, it just sounded like you was born with it. So talk about developing the confidence. I'm just believing myself and loving myself. At first, you know, I was worried about what other people were saying, what they think. Like this is not cool or this sound different. Or, you know, I used to think about that. Once I started giving the fuck about that and gaining that confidence and I kind of like forced it on people. It was over after that. I could do anything, any kind of beat. You could ask me to rap whenever, however, in front of whoever. I'm always ready to rap. 
I feel like the fact that you've been doing stuff so often and so frequently also plays into that confidence. Would you say that's true? It's because I came too far to not go so hard. I came so far and I go so hard. So it's like I have to give it my all. I cannot slip up just every time I got to do it like my last. And we don't know how long we here, so I got to go hard. So, you know, you want to be remembered, that legacy, you have to go hard. If I didn't go that hard, I wouldn't have got noticed. That's real. There's a, there's a million obscure rappers. I mean, maybe more than that. You know what I'm saying? I feel like in the past couple of years, you've definitely broken through to get people's attention. What's interesting about you is like you definitely have a style where it's like I'm a reverend, I don't give a fuck, I do what I want to do, I do me. But at the same time, I could tell that you actually care about being good on your tracks, right? Like you actually care about your approach. You actually give a fuck about being considered nice. Like you actually try. You know what I'm saying? Tell me where that came from because not a lot of cats who come from like I I'm a trapper and then I, I go into to rhyming like you know, they don't give a fuck. It's like, whatever. It's like, this is just another trap. But like, you care about the artistry of it. Talk about that. And where did that start? Where did that come from? That come from just being tuned into everything and just being competitive. I'm a competitive person, so I just can't help it. I don't want nobody to rap better than me. I don't think nobody can rap better than me. I feel like I can out-rap everybody, but I really got to show it, though. But you really got to know, you know, you really got to learn rap and, you know, know what's going on. You got to listen to the goats, too. Who's some goats you fuck with? The goats is the goats. Everybody knows, like, especially being from New York, Cassidy a goat, Fab a goat, Nas is a goat, Biggie a goat. You know what I'm saying? Buster a goat. Especially everybody that's embracing the, the old, the old hip hop too. Shout out to Buffalo. I see what they're doing. They're going crazy. I try to keep up with the shit. What's going on? You got to keep up with what's going on. And I'm gonna show them I could do it better than them. <laughs> When we talked about what your days are like, one of the first things you said is like you get fresh. And one of my favorite records on this this project is is BB Belt. I had to Google it. <laughs> like, <laughs> my BB Belt be dancing like holy cow. Bitch, you ask me if I love you, I might if you buy me a BB Belt. I spent my last money on BB Belt. When I was 13, all I wanted was a BB Belt. There's one nigga from my hood that had a BB Belt. I robbed him and then now I had a BB Belt. I know a nigga locked up by the BB Belt. I know a nigga locked up by some phone posits. I know a nigga who did six years for an iPhone 4. I ain't even gonna say his name because I ain't giving him talk no more. Boy, you went to jail for stealing. How you get out of jail rapping like you went to jail for killing? The reference is so specific. Like, you gotta, like... I feel like New York people know about that shit, right? You know what I'm saying? I feel like there's some people in Chicago who might be up on that shit. But for those who don't know, talk about the B.B. Simon belt, what it signifies, what inspired that song, and your relationship to B.B. belts. It's like shiny things. They cost a lot. They match with the Robin jeans. It's like a culture, part of being from New York. You know what I'm saying? Max B is my favorite rapper all the time. You know he had one. Got to have one. When he blew trial, I cried. And I ain't even know that, man. Same shit. I cried when Michael Jackson died, too. I was a little nigga. A lot of people did. Yeah, I was I was little as a bitch because I, I wanted him to drop more shit. That shit was fire. What he was doing was crazy. Them dance moves is crazy. You really got to be talented and winded to do that. You know what's always puzzled me about you, though? You talk about dance moves and athletic ability. I know that you are an agile person with acrobatic ability right? Who drinks a lot of Hennessy. How? That's because I just started being able to drink Hennessy and live life like that. Like, I ain't tear my body down. I was in jail, incarcerated. Like, 
for a long time. Like, you know, my whole life, I ain't have a chance to put all them toxins in my body. I was had my wind up. I always been. So this is something new. So I still got it in me. I'm not that too far gone. I don't be too drunk to do a backflip, walk on my hands or do some crazy shit. Now, I definitely feel like there's a hip hop Olympics. You are um, one of the most <laughs> acrobatic, agile people. I'm coming with it. And then I'm healthy and back up. I'm, I just bought a new weight set that's coming in. I'm about to pick my weight back up. That's going to happen in three months. They're going to accuse me of taking steroids because they never know what's <laughs> under the shirt. I'm like one DC mo. For real. Yo, honestly, I thought you had put down a Hennessy for a little bit too. I remember you was like, nah, I'm beginning to be faded. I'm done with this shit. How long did that last? I'm still at it though. I never can go back to what I used to be. They never see like the old Nephis chapters of different life. You know, I had to realize what's going on. I definitely can't be the intoxicated to where I'm just like going all night, blacking out at shows, wilding out, moshing, falling down. You know what I'm saying? They ain't going to get that enough no more. What made you turn the corner? Because the business. I'm still learning. So I can't be high and drunk while I'm still learning the business of everything that's going down because we got something that's good in front of us. And there's definitely a lot of money coming. And we're independent at that. Ain't nobody giving us now. We making the money. It's not just being handed to us. So, you know, got to get this business this business together. You're a boss. You got to act like it. The boss can't come in like that. One thing that people may not know that you have in common with, like, a person like Rude is, like, independent mentality. Rude, as an artist who takes his time on what he puts out and what he creates, working with labels like Closed Sessions, Rude has always been, like, I'm going to not try to chase what other people are doing. I'm going to do what I do on my terms, right? It makes me think about why this record and why now for you, Rude. I know you got another Rude solo project, you know, or project, production project with a bunch of collaborators on the way. But why put this out now? What what was it about it that, about these records that you was like, nah, I got I to gotta have this in the middle? Uh, a, it's so fucking good. And when I set out to start this album, I didn't realize what a big Neff fan I was. Like that took precedent over everything. Like this is fucking dope. I want to get this shit out, man. I've done projects with people like in their entirety, but they never saw the light of day for whatever reasons. Going back to like my old Chicago days with Juice and things like that. I've got projects that just sitting on the shelf that people never hear. So this is actually the first project I've done with one artist to actually see the light of day. And like I said, man, I'm just super proud of it, man. I'm super happy. I listen to it all the time. I listen to Fuck Your Set every day. <laughs> yeah, in what context? Are you in the gym? Like, Fuck Your Set? <laughs> no, no, man. I, I, you know, on the, on the train home, um, I went and saw uh, Inland Empire the other night at the IFC. Took a tab of acid. Rode the A train home. And if you know about riding the A train late at night, dude, it's a whole other world, especially on acid, especially after seeing Inland Empire. I got back to the crib at three. I live, uh, I'm in Clinton Hill, like right across from Lafayette Gardens. I got rooftop access and I just up there playing the album front to back, like probably seven times. Include, I made a playlist though, where I put the joint that he did for my album on there as well. And like, I just listen, yo, I listen to Neff all the time now. I said like the uh, like a fuck the world track. Fuck anybody who don't like us. <laughs> Not fuck the world, just anybody who don't like us. No, but like every every song on there, man, I'm like, I'm like dumb proud of, man. Like I've just like I never thought that I'd do something like that. 
But I never thought I'd do a lot of shit. My grandma always told me I could do it. Like seriously, thank you for like letting me be a part of this, man. Like I'm, I'm I fucking geek. Like I, like I said, I listen to this shit. You seen when we met? I had the, the studio out. <laughs> yo, yo, we we met we met at a record store on the south side of Chicago. He was supposed to be doing an in store, but. This motherfucker had that, like mic set up and everything, took it to the back room and was recording joints. There's people out front, including me, like like uh, I'm, I'm there with the Twilight Tone, shout out to Tone, like waiting to meet Neff. And he just walked past all of us with the mic set up and just in the back and like- Get to work. Yo, it was wild. So I had to go in the back. We took a couple photos and I dipped and I still don't know if he ever went out and did the meet and greet. But <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was beautiful, beautiful. I, before we get out of here, I do, want to talk about some songs like 133 times Neff tell me what was going on <laughs> in your head when you when you came up with this shit like when you because like first off I don't even know if you write like is this all off the off the phone is this all from in your head like how do you how did you approach this it's all off the hand I think I should try to probably write on beats like that but I tried it just to freestyle and punch in but I do like four bars, eight bars, cut it one bar, you know, just freestyling. But it sound hard like that. That shit sound raw. That song is all over the place. It's just like, it's it's just hard, man. It's how I was feeling, man. I just got off a trip. I just went to like 13 different states, different weathers and layovers, and airports and different shit. So that was how I felt. 133 times your ass to get stabbed. I'm walking that bitch, get crazy like missionary man. I walked in, they take my shoes off, I got missionary plans Bitch, your pussy trash like peaches out of a can I wish I had three hands, I'd slap a bitch with three hands We traffic so damn much, we need three white vans Baby, don't spill my drink, I feel like I'm pinky Take them little ass chains off, them rinky dinky Take that fucking watch off, I'm about to go sell it Take that fucking BB belt off, I'm about to fucking wear it Baby, kid, I'll shit on the floor like I ain't had pants Don't threaten us to play with us, nigga, don't damn dare us to his credit, though, I sent him a beat that he originally recorded to, and I didn't think it was up to Neff's standards, so I remixed that. I made that like to Neff to what he spit, and sent it to Alex. Like, yo, are we? Good? I, I think this is the one. So, so to his credit, he rapped to a completely different track. I had chopped up like Diana Ross' "Love Hangover" and did something completely different. <laughs> Where? Okay, I, Loki, I need to hear that. <laughs> you, yeah, 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 yeah. But it 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 wasn't it it wasn't what we ended up with. Okay, so, but we got the better version coming out. Uh, Neff, what is your favorite joint on this record, or at least what's the last song from this record that you find yourself playing a lot? Uh, listen, fuck your set is my favorite one, and then I like that one where um where, where there's one nigga in my hood that had a BB belt. I robbed him, and then I had a BB belt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Word, fuck out here. It's my shit. The the BB Belt joint, like I made out of like it was a record that I bought in Amsterdam like years ago, and like nothing made sense when I tried to flip it before. And something about Net was just like so perfect for that. You can never hear a beat and predict what Neff is gonna talk about on the beat. I can't either. I was nervous for a minute though. Like I would send certain beats. I'm like, ooh, I, I just like like as soon as I hit send, like, what are they gonna think of this? They're gonna think I'm out of my mind. Like I was thinking it was some some industry type beats. I was thinking them shits was some Jay-Z type, Griselda, Beanie Siegel type. Them shits is hard as shit, bro. I went to blacking on that. Just that new age, that new age hardcore gangster music. Black Ice is my joint. The storytelling, like 
how it just doesn't end and keeps going. And like, I tried to use like an old like slap bass sample, like some early 90s, like beat nut shit. And I wanted to keep going. I wish they was longer, though. People be telling me I need to make the song shorter, but I wish some of them was longer, though, because I could have kept telling the story. I should have went like 20 minutes long. <laughs> but it ended. And I'm like, damn, what the fuck? Should I loop this shit? I didn't know how to go about not making the beat so repetitive. So like I tried to just like make them as dramatic as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Again, me overthinking, so. Just loop something, send it to me. We about to tell a long story. That was RX Nephew and DJ Rude One talking to Fader contributor Tim Aku. Their new album, The Wonderful Nephew, is out now via Closed Sessions. The Fader interview is engineered by Tony Giambroni. The executive producer is Alex Robert Ross, and the associate producer is Raphael Helfand. We'd like to thank Lauten Audio for providing our microphones. You can find them online at lautenaudio.com. And we'd like to thank James Ivey for providing our intro music. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate if you left a five-star rating and review. And keep an eye on thefader.com for essential music news, interviews, and essays. We'll be back soon with another episode of The Fader Interview. Goodbye until then.